This world was not built by random bricks of chance. A blind god is not destiny's architect. A conscious power has drawn the plan of life. There is a meaning in each curve and line. Good evening, everyone. I accord a very warm welcome to Dr. Alok Pandey, who has been steering us through his very insightful sessions for the past few months. The extremely relevant and profound topics taken up for deliberation have provided us with a lot of food for thought and personal growth. It seems by design that today's session coincides with the birth anniversary of one of India's greatest spiritual leaders, Swami Vivekananda. The day is observed as the National Youth Day. Swamiji said, and I quote, when the world is the end and God is the means to attain that end, that is material. When God is the end and the world is only the means to attain that end, spirituality has begun. There is no other teacher but your own soul. Spirituality, he believed, is the science of the soul. The theme for today's session is psychic and spiritual education, the missing piece of the puzzle. We look forward to this very intriguing session. Over to you, Dr. Pandey. Namaste. The missing piece of the human puzzle, that is the subject for today. And uh, the purpose of this uh, particular sharing is, the purpose is to find the purpose. Education, very often when we refer to education, education is to bring out the highest and the best within us and to put it at the service of the noblest part in us, that part which is at, at the highest. So, as of now, we focus on bringing out that which is the best, whatever maximum possible within the human limits. Right now, education is focused too much upon development of the faculties, faculties of the mind, faculties of the, mostly faculties of the mind, and they are also largely faculties of the left brain. The right brain remains almost untouched. As somebody has said, the left has nothing right in it, and the right has nothing left in it. It's a civilization, civilizational disease that they stress is almost entirely on the analytical parts of the brain. But apart from the brain, we also have, we human beings have a heart. At least we are supposed to have a heart. But the heart in the process of development of the mind-centric education is suppressed, suppressed, suppressed. And when we actually land up in real life, we face a strange dilemma because the mind by its nature categorizes, dockets things, judges, labels. It divides in a way. That's how its ways is of understanding life. Whereas the heart by its nature unites. Heart is the power that brings people together, forces together. So what we miss is the uniting element in life. And then of course the life parts, the physical, more or less completely neglected. So by the time we come out of a school or even a college... We have certain faculties or capacities that are developed, which happens through the process of schooling and college. We also are given a certain kind of way of living life, depending on the parents. If the parents are traditional, they have a certain culture, then we are taught that, you know, conform to these customs, these traditions, these values. Uh, some of them also instill in the child moral values. And then if they, are, they don't have a culture, then the child is left to, you know, his own to explore. So he picks up from the society, he picks up from everything that is going around, he picks up from fashion, from peer pressure and everything. And therefore he becomes kind of directionless, not knowing where he should go. And with regard to heart, he does not know how to relate. He doesn't know how to relate even with the person next, next door to him. Why next door? Even with the person living with him. He doesn't know how to relate to plants, to animals, to Mother Earth. So it's an education which is actually a great poverty. And even if we were to develop all these capacities, ultimately the question arises, 
who is the user of these faculties, these capacities? So other day there was a very interesting discussion that I was reading or I chanced upon that which Dhanush was better, you know, Bo. So there is talk about Gandhi of Arjuna, there is talk about Vijay Dhanush of um, Karna or there is talk about Ravana, he had the Dhanush right from Lord Shiva. But see the interesting part is that it's not the Dhanush which made them win the victory. In the great battlefield of life, what made Arjuna the victor was not his bow. Of course he had a celestial bow, he earned it, he had, you know, it has its own story. But it was the one who was driving his chariot, Sri Krishna. All others, they had powerful bows, all given by great celestial beings. And if you really go into the history of Arjuna's bow, it is not something as celestial as, you know, um, Ravana receiving a sword which has been given by none else but the great God. But that did not ensure the victory. So when we enter into the field of life, we don't know what is our purpose. Normally, we are told that you have this job to do and this job we choose based on our ambition, our um, you know, puny goals. I use the word puny goals because you know, it's like wealth, it's like what position you'll occupy. So this is all. And we put all these faculties at the service of very puny aims. This is the mistake that we see which was done in Atlantis. This was the mistake done in Troy. This was the mistake done in the Maya civilization. This was the mistake done in Lanka. And we know how it collapsed. It collapsed because the faculties were developed, the capacities were developed, but the aim was small. So when we talk about psychic and spiritual education, we touch upon the aim of human life, the purpose of human existence. So what really is the same and where is it to be found? So children go to career counselling. Now we must know the difference between career and a name. Career is itself a means, an instrument. And I have spoken about it I think in previous or some other um, subjects. So we will not touch upon that so much in detail. But the aim is something which we are meant to be. Aim is something which has been, it's like a purpose planted in the heart of every human being. And over a period of time, actually it is not even in one life. It is a purpose planted originally, right when the one became many. In each of these units, he planted a purpose. That purpose is like a seed which unfolds itself through lives, through the journey in space and time. It develops, blossoms. For a long time, one doesn't know it. So if you look at a soil outside before the Seeds have sprouted, the plants have come to the surface. If you ask an ignorant person what is below the soil, he'll not know. He'll probably analyze the surface of the soil and say something. But the farmer knows that he has planted a seed of this kind and that has to come. And as we know, each seed requires a certain kind of, uh, you know, special uh, process, uh, special environment, a special climate. Now this seed, which is called as a purpose is embedded in the psychic being. So psychic being is that part in us which has entered into the play of space and time. It carries the seed throughout from life to life. In one course of one lifetime, this seed sprouts a little. Then another lifetime it sprouts a little until a time comes when we are, we can be actually born with a conscious mission and a conscious purpose. That's when the psychic being has arrived at its full development. But even before that, especially in children who are not yet conditioned with all the ideas of adulthood that, you know, you have to do this job, you have to, from standard, no, from three years of age, oh, what this child will become, somebody else starts determining, puts it into a head. So, by the time we grow into adulthood, we lose this. But this is our original script and in many children who are uncorrupted, undefiled by all these kind of pressures, by the time they are 7, 8, 9, they will say something or their behavior, this seed will show up. In the Gita, it's very beautifully termed as Swabhava and Swadharma, something which is inbuilt within the very fabric of the soul. It is our true nature, our soul nature. And it's our purpose and the purpose of parents and the purpose of educators to bring it out. We are like a gardener. So the seed has been planted by the divine. Our purpose is to bring out that seed. But we are too 
impatient and we just bring an artificial tree from somewhere and put it over the seed which is sprouting the result is something which is um, you know <laughs> exact something which is perfect in its performance but something which is artificial and false so this is something we see on the pondicherry beach every day i go around and remember see they have brought uh, khajur ka ped from <laughs> i don't know where <laughs> they have transplanted it i don't know whose brilliant idea is this but it may look nice but it's not true it doesn't go with you know that's not how you expect a wonderful seashore to be with these planted ped now this is something what happens with us that the seed gets buried because we pick up a seemingly nice beautiful tree and put it on the soil which is not meant for it there is another seed which is to sprout and that get buried and stifled so psychic education deals with the effort to bring out this divine purpose the divine will in its unfolding within the individual and this unfolding is in terms of space and time to put it very simply it is what we are meant to do not from the point of view of the world from society from others but we are programmed for that and that's the the mission of our life is to you know fulfill it i am reminded of both these stories of shirobindo and swami vivekananda swami vivekananda's birth anniversary today now look at swami vivekananda that uh, you know at a young age he is a brilliant student in in presidency college and he is touched but he's innate spiritual search he goes to shri ramakrishna and then he's touched by him and he abandons all of that and takes to a life which is at his point of time i'm sure there must have been a lot of resistance in fact his mother and sister went through a lot of poverty we know that and yet look at the conscious purpose behind him truly a sign of a developed human being this is what i'm meant to do and this is what i'm going to do what is steadfast will everybody i'm sure would have told him this is a wrong choice you are making your career doesn't lie here you can become a wonderful chemist in bengal uh, you know chemical college and you can do this you can earn a lot of money maybe you can go abroad well he did go abroad <laughs> but he didn't come went go to abroad to pick up something he went to abroad to give something something which became of perennial importance so look at this one life which is example of what true education could be should be that at a point of time he realizes this is my purpose and he abandons everything for the pursuit of this purpose look at another life sure bindo now here is his parent sending him to you know uk so that he becomes a perfect english gentleman because that's what he felt that after all indoctrinated still we are indoctrinated though in sure bindo's life at least this much we can learn that we can be ourselves but his father though a very wonderful human being noble person but he was indoctrinated like that that you know uh, a really superior race so he sent there to become a perfect english gentleman and with his capacities he performs very well and then his father must have had a great expectation that he must do ics and become a very big officer collector or something like that and shurpindo discovering the purpose within that this is not what i am meant to do though the full purpose unfolded though even as a child if you read his poem at 10 years of age if you read his uh, play at 18 years of age so we'll see that there is a purpose which is shining through the layers but at a crucial time he fails to present himself in the ics riding test though he has cleared the theory he deliberately drops it and then we know that oscar browning requests again that no no you go and second time a chance is given but he he you know fails to turn up or show up now this is the difference between a person who is pursuing conventional education and the person who is conscious in the psychic being conscious in the soul so these are two very clear examples that though they had it was not like they were entering into spiritual life because they couldn't do anything better there are very often people uh, say oh acha he has gone to an ashram why uh, i remember once um, when uh, <laughs> in in delhi so i was married and you know on holiday my wife had come along with our son to uh, you know just spend 15 days there so one of the persons who was my patient air commodore retired and he was very impressed that he is interested in spiritual life one day he came searching for me in the mess and uh, saw my wife sitting outside so all you know uh, normal attire of any other uh, you know 
up to date woman and he asked her oh you are who are you she introduced herself she says uh, you are mrs pandey yes i am mrs pandey oh then she said why what is the surprise he said why did then he take to spiritual life <laughs> you know i am telling you a real life story the idea was that one has to be terribly disappointed in you know material life one has to you know have a wife or husband who is not good <laughs> one has to have a failure in career one son may have you know deceived one may have been cheated by friend then you turn to spiritual life well such a disappointment <laughs> it's not out of failure it's not that you know i couldn't do anything in life therefore i must take to it's because you discover that there is something infinitely greater than all that we can discover within this frame so there are people who are happy within the frame people who want to go beyond the frame so there are two aspects of this education one is within the frame there is something i am meant to do as an expression of that which is beyond the frame this is a greater truth and that is unfolding now within the frame i may take up this work that works each of us does a field of work but it should be determined by that which serves my mission and my purpose so when we look at shirobindo's life swami vekananda's life they both were one of the greatest outpourings of work which is unimaginable I often give this example that swami vekananda in 39 years did something which people if they live for 390 years won't be able to achieve and shirobindo at 78 had opened a whole new age for mankind it's unimaginable so why did they do it because they lived the very purpose so this is what should be the purpose of psychic education to discover this purpose which each one is meant to be otherwise very often even this is transplanted so when you ask people people often ask what is or in a typical setting where you have you know people who are exposed to writings of mother or you know they have read something about spiritual life and you ask the children so what is the purpose of life they say to find the divine now it's not like that <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not parroting what really we mean by divine because even when we use the word divine we are normally drawn to one aspect or the other to somebody it's a divine means justice to another person truth to somebody else love what i mean by this is that this approach of discovering the purpose need not be religious though very often it takes a religious feeling people who have bound or who are destined to discover it very often in them this discovery is associated with what mother calls as a mystical or religious feeling so they suddenly go to a place usually it's you know a temple setting or maybe near a lake or sometimes you know watching an ocean or they go to a mountain suddenly they are overwhelmed with a mystic feeling so this mystic feeling may take place in a particular place in a temple or it may be just a setting i remember first of january in one of my air force places where uh, 31st december there is a party and i didn't go uh, and early morning i woke up because everybody was asleep and morning when i woke up and i saw the sun shining through the trees and i still remember the aha moment i can't describe what i felt but i felt this is divine something like that you know it was something tremendous and you know that was a time when i really was still going through a phase of agnosticism but it was like a concrete experience looking at the sun uh, coming through the trees so usually this purpose starts by giving the sense of a religious or a mystic feeling it's different from ritualistic religion one may follow ritualistic religion all one's life but may be very far from anything called spiritual i mean some of the asuras are very religious they go to the temple every day they you know do all these things but so it's a feeling that one has to discover within and it's like a little ray which touches one and then passes goes into the background most children experience it sometimes you know they'll suddenly say oh ultimately there is love now or sometimes they say no i want to know truth very often you know it can take that form even it it doesn't matter about even whether we believe in god or not this feeling will declare itself in the form of something like a tremendous idea for example i have seen children who may not believe in god but they are moved by this idea of truth what is the truth of life now that is what is taking us towards that uh, great uh, disclosure i still remember one of the talks in one of the schools when a 11th standard girl told me sir uh, i am very touched but problem is that i don't believe in god 
So I said, okay, which God you don't believe in? She said, a God who punishes and rewards. I said, good, we are on the same page. I also don't believe in such a God. So I asked her, what kind of God you would like to believe in if at all? She said, a God who is all loving and compassionate. I said, again, we are on the same boat. So the problem is not about God, it's about our conception. So this is an area which is completely missing in our education. Uh, hardly it is even spoken of, let alone practiced. On the other hand, before we come to psychic education back again, on the other hand, spiritual education actually implies that in the there is constant upward movement. We are as if in a mighty current. I remember one of these um, things I had read about Swami Vivekananda, which was so powerful. He said, you know, we are being led forward by a mighty current. And I imagined the ocean where, whether we like it or not, we are led forward. We may... Play at cross purposes with this mighty current and feel very uh, bad because, you know, it will hit us. We want to go to the shore and this mighty current is carrying us upward. Shabda speaks of this. There is a mighty law of life. There is a truth, Sanatan Dharma. And it's carrying us forward and forward in the evolutionary march of mankind. So spiritual education teaches us that the mind is not the limit. There is something greater than the mind. And one of the best ways to do it, simplest ways that after we have taught a subject, that illusion that I know it is to make the child be quiet for a while and say, you know, now tell what is not yet known. Now you see the answer. It's something amazing. I remember one uh, mathematics teacher who would, who uh, he was in the ashram and uh, he was narrating an incident where in his class he would draw this is straight line, this is triangle, this is. And then at the end he will say, but you know, all this is one. He will show it in a very simple way that there is one little line. You can flex it, you can curve it, but behind it all there is one. This sense of the one can be so overpowering that behind everything there is one, that one consciousness. And till we discover it, we are yet very far from the ultimate discovery. So while psychic education is about um, expressing the divine will within time and space, through the frames of mind, body and life. Mind, body and life are instruments and we must develop it. But who is the user of this, uh, you know, this bow and arrow? Whereas spiritual education is about going beyond the mind, right from form into the realms of formlessness. Whereas psychic education is within forms. Thoughts are forms, feelings are forms. Uh, life, energies, it can take forms. Institutions are forms, body is a form. But there is a formless essence of things. For instance, beauty. Beauty can be in form, beauty can be beyond form. Truth. Truth in form is lost in definitions and information. But there is a formless truth. So the moment we strive to go beyond the world of forms into the formless, we are engaging with spiritual education. Of course, beyond that, there is a third education which the mother speaks about and that is supramental education. She says, Psychic and spiritual education take up the lead of nature. It's like nature climbing upward, step by step by step. So, in psychic education, we discover what is behind mind, life and body. In spiritual education, we want to know what are the highest reachings of nature within us. How far can nature climb? Faculties, capacities, we see in, you know, Savitri in the greater mind, which goes beyond the rational mind. But in supramental education, it is a change of nature. Nature itself would change un, uh, under the pressure of something which comes from above and right up to the most material base. So now we come back to psychic education which is the missing piece of the puzzle to find the purpose of life. How do we start with it? Several hints she has given. Each of them is a hint. But first we speak about the atmosphere. What is the atmosphere? It means the soul will blossom. The psychic is that part in us which we vaguely use the word as soul. But it develops over a period of time and becomes a psychic personality, assumes a psychic personality. Psychic personality is different from the what we call as personality, which is mind, vital and the body. Now, we must have an atmosphere for this to develop. And the atmosphere in which psychic develops, one, it must be something harmonious, beauty, harmony, love and truth. These are essential ingredients so a house where there is a constant quarrel, a house where all the time you have all these kinds of, you know, um, all kinds of parties and, I mean, all, all kinds of disharmonious things, frictions all the time, loud music, where love is missing. So there, the psychic cannot develop. 
this one part atmosphere love and truth most important then harmony even if you hear music it should be harmonious not loud and discordant jarring notes so all these things are detrimental it's like poisoning you know we have the story of shri krishna where he is a child and he is poisoned kansa sends putna to poison him so what does putna do she assumes the form of yashodama it's very unfortunate that in our real life many a mothers play the role of putna parents because what do they do they basically make the child have poison and think they are giving amrit it's done with goodwill all our anxieties we pass through the milk and therefore by the time the child grows up the seed is so badly entangled as christ said so beautifully when he was asked that you are telling so many beautiful things all over do people value so he gave a very beautiful example he said you know i am like a farmer and i throw seeds some soils are hard rock nothing will enter into it so you you may talk at the end maybe the person will listen ah oh, and then look left right take out the cell phone and say you know what i am little busy and then after going don't know what this fellow is talking about then some are so porous that whatever goes it will not take roots oh you said very nice fantastic but nothing will come out because there is no will at all on one side there is certain obstinate rigid cover that it won't allow spiritual life to light to percolate on the other side the will is so weak that the talks and uh, readings and whatever we read from these great ones sounds very good they are like seeds but the soil is there is no will and determination to allow it to take roots says then sometimes the soil is ready one in thousand it's exactly what shri krishna says in the gita manushya naam sahasrenu out of thousands one is a seeker of perfection here and there so where the soil is ready and the seed falls but even there as it comes out it is uh, you know surrounded by bushes it gets entangled or it's eaten by animals but in one odd case it develops and that is enough to justify the entire labor Now look at us as educationists all of us in some way or the other we are all engaged in education even if we are not teachers we are engaged in education how many times we can say that in our lifetime somebody came out with this beautiful blossoming of the soul within we are very happy and proud you know a student from my school very often you'll see in pmt list pre medical test for those who may not know engineering test you have advertisement no these are my top ones who have got into engineering who have got into medicine what happens after that I know in my own college somebody was who had done very well, all breaking all records. At the end of the day, he was nothing but a person who was selfishly accumulating money and money and money. So what is the point of all this? What did I create as an educationist? I created an asura, a rakshasa, a glutton. I didn't create a godlike being. who would have cared for the world around who would have cared for life around who would cared for his own um, highest good so this is one part that we must create an atmosphere we should be conducive to this and the second is just like every part in us needs food the psychic also needs food poor fellow is deprived why whole day days after days it's something or the other either you know uh, cell phone or programs or internet or all kinds of discussions but where is psychic food now we were at least i come from a generation where uh, i am not sounding like an old man okay pretty young in spirit at least but i came from a household and generation where we were fed the psychic milk that time i didn't know what it means but every day morning i saw my dad get up in the morning do puja regardless of whatever time he came back from duty every time i heard these stories from ramayana and mahabharata and heard those you know artis they did something which was wonderful i mean when i look back now i see this was the greatest gift someone could do to me simple thing children not even taught to pray by taught i don't mean a parrot like prayer that do this you know bhujanga shayanam not like that <laughs> that's okay but the idea that there is a vastness an infinity to whom you can just pray or even when you say the traditional words you can 
think of him as the great being explain to a child look at you know the majesty of the great being who is you know above the cosmic waters sleeping on infinite time and time is unfolding at his will he is in the core and the heart depending on the age we can, it can be explained and then when they have that vision and then they say shantakaram bhujang shayanam so why shantakaram because you know vastness makes us peaceful narrowness and limitation bhujang shayanam sleeping on the coils of time we are slaves of time he is the origin of time he determines time so when we start looking at life this is what gives the psychic food so there are plenty of stories we must understand psychic education is not moral education moral education as its place it's a hand it's a substitute sometimes like our good and virtue a poor substitute a, as shobindu says a coarse ill fitting badly spun dress so when we don't have the psychic education when we don't know what is the dharma within then we need moral education moral education is do this don't do this make life cut into columns or black and white but these things don't actually it, it's helpful so that we don't swing to you know restrains in us the titan and the god it's good to restrain us from excessive or any kind but psychic education will tell us the unfolding of the truth within me at a given point of time i think it's a great courage look at you know arjuna all his moral education had told him that gandhi ji has written be non violent and somebody has written don't shoot arrows at your own kith and kin and suddenly that moment of great unfolding the psychic emerges and amidst the dance of death arjuna receives the song of immortality so psychic education is about that in our context simply reading savitri putting some nice music in the background discussing with the child what is your highest idea that you can conceive of let the child go into a flight of fantasy he'll hit a jackpot one day when he suddenly come up and say you know my highest idea is love and you will have an aha moment you were thinking of what job he can do and suddenly he makes you feel stupid and silly with all your job and achievements because the child has come up with something which far transcend then you share what is love now this is what when we have such things and such stories the psyche comes out in the indian context i do believe that people even now children should be exposed to these beautiful things ramayana the mahabharata shabads you know when they are sung in gurudwaras even in you know of course it has been corrupted but some of these sufi songs when children are exposed to these things mantras prayer this is our inheritance and it's a psychic food it has been provided to us thanks for you know the originators at least in india it's available in all shapes sizes taste it can cater to your taste but it is missing nowadays many children they don't even know and you know i see some of the discussions mahabharata i don't know i don't believe that you know monkeys could speak this is the understanding that ramayana the person who wrote for something which has endured for 10000 years was simply writing like you know monkey is speaking how is it possible as if he is so foolish and we are so foolish as to believe that he was so foolish so this is the psychic lack of psychic um, food so it gets stifled then the third thing which is required is often very often in life what do we put forward as a name aim is be happy bourgeois ideal why should you study are when you study you will get a good job why should i get you get you a good job then life will be cushy you'll be comfortable you'll have lot of money you'll have everything that you want because you can do everything with money that advertisement no most important things in life you cannot buy for money from money or for all the rest there is mastercard so but this is what we are not taught we are given a lie we are we give a lie to a child that this is what is going to fetch you things so whereas we have to teach him something very interesting and the mother speaks of her own example that her own physical mother was like an iron lady so every time she would say sometimes i would say oh you know little sulking attitude she says her mother would tell her because she was she had conceived the child that you know she will uh, my children will be the best in the world same we see with shurbindo that vidrigat to shurbindo the father had an aspiration that my aro he will shine in the world somehow he had this intuitive sense and with mother's physical mother she had this urge so every time when she would see a little bit she would say what but why you are not born for these things 
So from childhood when we see both Shurabindu and the mother, one thing which is common in their life is that they didn't live with the kind of material comforts. Even in UK, he speaks of that one year when he could hardly get money. In a day they would have a savloy and bread and a cup of tea because there was nothing else they could afford. Even in winter they didn't have coat to wear. And we see mother wearing lacquered shoes because she couldn't change it and she would color it differently. Didn't have proper petticoats to wear. Now this idea went in, in a generation that well we have to uh, struggle not for existence but life is not just for seeking pleasure, for comfort. It's meant for something greater. Whereas now providing comfort is alright but sometimes all life is only about comfort. For everything there is comfort. So this is idea must go that life is not meant for pleasure but what they have to learn is again mother puts it very beautifully do not do anything for the sake of pleasure but take pleasure in all that you do such a simple saying if it work is given to you take pleasure enjoy it fully be in it it may not be something which you know you may like to do but the joy of doing something very well, it may be something as trivial as, maybe you know, uh, well nothing is trivial so I shouldn't give an example. But you know children learn uh, cycling at different stages, they learn different things, they play a game. So game is not for succeeding in a competition, but the joy of playing. At the end of the game you feel so happy, you learn these values, sporting spirit. So nothing is done for the sake of pleasure but one must take pleasure in all we do. Then another aspect that the mother says is that we have to always understand that there is a kind of identity that is determined for us by our birth, circumstances of our birth etc. But there is something which, is, which goes beyond it because psychic by its nature is born in different ages and climes in different countries. So one of the best ways to understand rebirth is you know, the fallout of rebirth is that we don't know. Maybe in previous lives we were born in different countries. It brings us a vastness. One of the things that helps psychic to develop is an atmosphere of vastness. This vastness is not to be mistaken with the wideness of the waste paper basket. Oh, I am very liberal. Liberal is different. Oh, I sit with my child and have alcohol at school. That's called the wideness of the waste paper basket. Vastness is something very different. Vastness is something which where we go beyond limits of everything. We want to explore. There are no limits to exploring life. No limits to exploring truth. No limits to going beyond all the boundaries. This spirit of vastness. And we can inculcate it even through simple exercises. Give them images. They have forgotten to imagine. So give them an image through which they can enter into vastness. Let them learn to imagine. So these are many of the things which are missing through which we can bring out this psychic impulsion and then very importantly you know the purpose see this was again inbuilt within us we have forgotten it but we can bring it in a different way so there was the custom as you know we grew up at least in the Indian setting that before food we used to pray so now it is like when the food is served on the table the first response is ah the child will take out the tongue in a certain way yummy jump to it so, the child should be taught, wait, yummy, but before yummy, <laughs> mummy. <laughs> the great world mother. We must know before we are eating that how many beings have gone into making this little dish, this dish of rice, this lovely idli summer. The farmer tilling the soil, the soil, the sun. At least few times let the child be aware that this is not just about yummy. It's about the labor of the stars has gone into making this. And then before we eat, just for a few moments, why are we eating? So we used to pray. Of course we were never taught why we are praying. So mother brings in this beautiful element. She says when you eat, pray that this food builds in us the health and all that is necessary for us to lead life, fitness and health and harmony. So we don't do it. So how, how are we trying to get into it? Through a back door, but not a good door. Again, okay, if I eat organic, if I eat cheese-free, if I don't eat milk, get into consciousness. It's not about what you are eating, it's the state of consciousness. You eat all the right organic stuff and all the time with fear in the mind. If I touch this, I am going to fall sick. 
सो यू मेक ए कल्ट ऑफ ऑर्गेनिक ए फियर्स ऑलमोस्ट आइडियोलॉजिकल वार आई हैव सीन पीपल गेट ऑलमोस्ट यू नो एक्टिविस्ट लाइक थिंग सो अल्टीमेटली वॉट वी आर डूइंग वी आर मेकिंग द माइंड अगेन इन टू अ रिजिट नैरो वेसल इट्स ओके ईट वॉट एवर इज सर्व एज समबडी डीपली स्पिरिचुअल सेट समथिंग वेरी नाइस ही सेट आई एम गोइंग आउट फ्रॉम वन गांव टू अनदर वॉट शुड आई डू ही सेट ईट वेन यू आर हंग्री स्लीप वेन यू आर स्लीप वेन यू आर स्लीपी एंड ड्रिंक वेन यू आर थर्स्टी said this what is this advice anyways guruji has said so he goes then he wants to eat something so he remembers eat when you are hungry so he waits so he eats when he is hungry then he wants to you know there is a nice i want to be here so he has sleep when you are sleepy then he discovered that there is something which is within us and he discovered that the food when you eat when you are hungry is so tasty so basically to recover our own discover our own internal rhythms and to tune and sink into that we have, it's completely lost and it takes time to discover it rediscover it it is not to become rigid we need to have a plasticity but at the same time before we eat so she says before we sleep concentrate for a few moments on what she says that may the sleep restore us so beautiful to sleep with this idea that may my sleep be full of peace full of light full of sweetness full of joy may i wake up fresh rejuvenated and then when the child wakes up to wake up the child with a smile good morning welcome the day it's so beautiful and bright may you be beautiful and bright like this how do we normally wake up alarm clock then not getting up so already parents are beginning to fight you spoil the child you spoil the child one of them has to own responsibility see he always gets late doesn't wake up we don't know how to wake up actually so then at the end point uh, one of them is very angry this is what your spoiled kid all this he gets up in whole day it's okay wake up the child with all that you know beauty it'll take some time it'll take effort and even if he doesn't sometimes you have to say hurry up it's okay but the first words that should go into the ears of a child is something very beautiful i mean these are things moments one remembers they feed the soul i remember waking up with my mom singing a bhajan chalo re sadhu aaj karenge ganga snan you know and uh, i i remember i used to be <laughs> half awake you want to sleep on you know but these words were like magical ringing tone they would go inside and this went into me that you know um, every day morning when i wake up oh, ganges the symbol of purity i didn't understand all that at that age so to wake up with this kind of a melody as something going on this is what is missing the psychic aspect why because we have flown into this ambition career and lost this psychic touch so basically every day in all our interactions in our reactions when it all life is an education so many opportunities we miss so when child has a fight with let's say you know he has been humiliated insulted or the teacher has neglected whatever it is it's an opportunity to discuss with the child what should be our response how should we deal with this this itself can become a means to turn the tables around and bring out the soul because there is a response of the ego and there is a response of the soul so the ego's response is it is hurt disappointed develops a negative self image but the response of the soul is that my image does not depend upon somebody's approval so what is my strength what is my strength that i must discover so again every child should be up to observe in the child the tendency that is beautiful and to bring it out see how the mother would do not through you know negative remarks oh you are no good you are useless rather every child carries something beautiful to tell the child share it with it it's a genuine praise that look you know you're so beautiful every little gesture gesture of self giving a gesture of gratitude a gesture of prayer and a child should be told that you know it's something so beautiful so if we start doing that we'll see that over a period of time throughout the day more or less there will be a little psychic undercurrent of psychic stream running through life and one day this stream will emerge into the foreground this is the real life not this surface life of achievements and you know uh, all these outer things outer things will carry an importance only based on the inner thing
So we have again back to where we started from. Karna and Arjuna are both excellent warriors. But what differentiates the two? One knows the truth but cannot stand for it. That is Karna. He knows what is Dharma but he cannot stand for it. He lacks courage. He lacks the love of truth. He is taken over by the ambition to rule a kingdom and to be in the good books of the emperor to be. After all, Duryodhana is the crown prince. So he lacks that courage to follow his own deepest self. The Kshatriya Dharma, which is to protect the righteous, to protect the oppressed. On the contrary, he is taking the side of uh, Duryodhana, knowing that he is an oppressive king. If he becomes an emperor, life would be chaotic. And yet he takes his side because in the name of, he covers it with nice things. Oh, he has been my friend and he has been very generous. So I must, I have given a word and promise all nonsense. All mental justifications. Therefore, Karna, despite being at least as good, let's presume, of course, some, I, I personally am biased towards Arjuna. But even if he is as good in terms of his inner life, he failed something. The true Kshatriya is not one who knows how to wield the bow and arrow. The true Kshatriya is somebody who has the Kshatriya bhav that he will protect the right, stand for the truth, be courageous in front of the world. Arjuna, knowing all the same things, in fact if you really look at it, who is Arjuna's guru who taught him uh, archery and all that? Dronacharya. Who is Dronacharya's guru? Parshuram. And Parshuram has taught Karna. So you can imagine, the same master who has taught Bhishma, that master has taught him. Well, he has been brought up by Dronacharya, who is a great archer, no doubt, but he has taught many of them. But Arjuna has one thing on his side. Arjuna knows dharma and has the courage to stand by it. This ability to stand for what is true with courage, this this ability to stand for what we truly love, to declare it without fear, without hesitation, And to learn to love truly and to live truly, to express the inner truth of our life regardless of outer consequences is what differentiates the ordinary man who is leading just the normal life, however successful he may be, from the extraordinary person who is here to express his own deeper truth in life regardless of what it may fetch him or not fetch him. So this is the brief uh, quick background of uh, the missing piece of the puzzle the purpose of a life and some little hints here and there it's a long subject at the same time if we have to engage in it we must know that we have to be equal to the task we cannot teach what we don't know if I have read from a book you know I have seen people trying to teach psychic education as pointer one two three four blackboard no it doesn't work like that It is we have to have our own psychic awakening. We have to value it. It's not a subject. It is the subject. (laughs) The subject is that. What we call as you, me, is that. The psychic being in us is the subject. It is not one of the subjects. Let's teach it. I'll have a class of psychic education. That is like moral education. Most boring. So... The psychic education is something which runs through life. It should be ingrained in the very fabric of our being. And who can do it? Somebody who is himself or herself engaged in this great discovery. And attitudes that help in that discovery must be inculcated. Like calm, agitation, excitement, fretfulness, anger. They are not conducive to psychic discovery. So to learn to be calm, to learn to be patient, to learn to persevere because this discovery is not that okay today I want to discover the psychic after one month say do you think my psychic has stepped forward? Ask it after a lifetime and when you know it you don't need to ask it. That's a beauty. (laughs) So this patience, perseverance, this will to discover, the will that differentiates between what is good and what is only pleasant. Shreyas and prayers. All this should be part of our education. And where is that good? Last but not the least, it is here in the heart. Nobody has to tell us. From childhood, ask the child. When a child does something, spontaneously ask, what do you feel here? And if there is no fear, the child will say. If there is fear, 
then the child will start covering up. No, no, I did this because of this. There is nothing like because of this. Ask the child, what do you feel here? Are you comfortable here in your heart? Many children I have seen, they will maybe initially they may say something, but afterwards also they have come and said, I am sorry, I did something which I shouldn't have done. Because you children feel it. But grown-ups, they will mind games, my God. So mind games is a different thing altogether. But children can be brought up like that. The, the sign that there is something which is true and good and beautiful, Satyam, Shivam, Sundaram, which is what the psychic um, you know, feels is here. And this is what they must learn to con- contemplate, connect with. This is the last piece of the puzzle. It is deep within our heart, the key to all other aspects of our being, the key to the ultimate mystery. It is the psychic being within us. Thank you. So, always with your talks, we have a lot of questions. So, I have one question, uh, which is again something related to what you said about uh, Swadharma. So, a person who does not take responsibility can his or her basic nature be changed? Okay. So the question is, somebody who doesn't take responsibility, can his or her nature be changed? Nature can be changed. Let's start with that. Nature can be changed. But the, there is a big but. And the but is that the person whose nature has to be changed must want it to change. Now, without the help of the individual's will, it can happen, but it's very rare. That's like a grace which came to Jagai and Madhai, which came to Anguli Mal, which came to Ratnakar. Now that can happen. It's not that it cannot happen. But generally speaking, the person must want it. So the first step is to make the will on the side of change. So one has to, you know, if we feel that this is an attitude in the person, like with alcoholics and others, we have to first win back their will. Then the faith that it can change. Then the rest can follow. So the will must be awakened. The need for change must come. If the need for change is there, nature can be changed. So this the... And there are of course many steps and processes. It can be done uh, very rationally. That look, you know, when you don't assume responsibility, you yourself are a slave because, you know, then you are at the mercy of hundred things. So, you know, appeal to those little things. Like for instance, a person wants freedom. Now, appeal to that instinct for freedom in a human being that if you really want to be free, assume responsibility. Somebody who doesn't assume responsibility and always blaming someone or the other outside, then what happens with that? You are, a, you know, you are always at the mercy of someone else. So, true autonomy and freedom come when we assume responsibility. Then this other aspect that whatever we have done, the choices we have made, we should be courageous to accept the consequences. You know, something we learn from the story of Yudhishthir. They have lost the game of dice. I am 100% sure if it was the Duryodhana side, if they lost the game of dice by whatever means, they would have never gone to the forest. They would have picked up both and arrow said, let's have a fight. But Yudhishthir assumes responsibility for his choices. And that's what makes him great even in the fall. So even when we fall, when we take responsibility, instead of blaming others, it's the sign of a greatness. We are marked for something stupendous. So this uh, thing also should be brought out in children and grown-ups. That whatever happens in my life, I am responsible for it. Whatever circumstances, situations, I may find myself in it. The mother says in psychic education only something very beautiful. That all our circumstances are a clumsy attempt to reproduce something which is within us. So when we assume responsibility that it's not circumstances that are shaping me, it is me who is determining them without knowing the link, then life begins to change and we begin to change. So if you want to change circumstance, change within. So this is how the process goes. Yes. Though you have just answered this question, but I would like to oppose this question again. Yes. Uh, it, uh, that this question is that why is it that people who are closest to you hurt them hurt you the most? How to work on oneself not to get hurt? Yes, yes, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, people who are closest to us hurt us hurt us most precisely because they are closest to us. So what happens when we are close to someone is we get attached. Close means here that we are attached to them. Now, when we are attached to somebody, we become very vulnerable. 
everything spoken not spoken uh, every little word we become very sensitive to that because we have attached ourselves so the conventional solution that is advised is detachment but there are two kinds of detachment one is a detachment will turns away from the world regarding everything as an illusion but there is another kind of detachment which is a healthy detachment you do what we have to do do it because that's the thing to be done but don't be attached in this sense that you know i start that person starts indirectly controlling my behavior so this one part of it but there is something else apart from detachment and it is that when we live life that this is what i am meant to be and i live it as a stream flows now some people drink the stream and say wow sweet stream some drink and say it is not so good doesn't matter it's the nature of the stream to flow and it will flow it's the nature of the flower to bloom and it will bloom it doesn't care whether somebody appreciates it or not so this thing which must be awakened in uh, us i mean children and everything that i have to lead my life not because somebody else appreciates it see this need for appreciation comes from there so when it doesn't come or we are criticized we get hurt so but i have to lead my life because this is what i am meant to be that's what i meant by the purpose and that when we lead our life like that then it doesn't matter it's a it needs time it needs a training and most importantly we have to remember that after all opinions of human beings well somebody has to be infallible expecting it's like you know i give this example you go to a market in search of a diamond and you go to a you know kirane ka dukan and say bhaiya diamond hai he will look at you and feel you are a foolish person so he'll pick up the paperweight and he'll say ha ah, hai kitne ka hai 1000 rupees oh that cheap i heard it comes very costly no no sir i'll give you he has passed you a thing which is worthless a piece of glass for a you know petty price so we must know where we'll find what so when we turn towards human beings and expect them to give us love then we are basically you know human beings are deprived creatures helpless creatures they don't have love inside they are themselves running give me little love give me little love how can they give love they cannot make us happy because you know they are themselves don't have the happiness within so for us we have to first tap that source of infinite love and bliss which is within which is the divine and we receive everything from the divine then we give then even if we are attached we have the great cushion the divine love if we are attached momentarily it will touch us but immediately we'll say oh and we'll smile and it'll be done so turn to the divine for all our needs and for the rest it's part of the world play those who cannot receive wounds are not good to become healers okay <laughs> so <laughs> it gives us wisdom wounds make us wiser and stronger yes so beautiful so um another question is from the junior school is uh, shivani's question is how can we touch the psychic being in a young child what are the ways we can do it in a school so this is what i was basically discussing in a young child actually it is far more easier incidentally in a young child it's much easier to touch the psychic being than in a grown up adult because grown up adult if you talk about psychic being he'll first ask us the spelling then ask us the definition then quote all the ramayana puranas and you know is does it mean is it what is called in vedanta or upanishad he will by the time you have one hour you have spent his psychic being has become a mental image of something but in children it is spontaneous teach children to be quiet teach them not to be you know agitated over everything teach them that there is something to be discovered teach them what is their highest idea or ideal before them teach them about love teach them about truth teach them to discover what they are meant to be it should be like breathing teach them to sit quiet and pray to whom to whatever highest and greatest conception they can imagine so when we teach them like that then slowly and of course the teacher himself must be in that state so there should be a class of quietude when we decide it may be handful we need not have all the students in that class see this is where the problem comes pick up children that there will be a time when we will stay quiet and we'll spontaneously interact and come up with some you know we'll just engage in some discovery a class of self discovery let's put it like that maybe 10 students will raise their hands take them up aside and put them in a that kind of uh, you know education system so in 
the ashram, that's what was meant by free progress. So when mother was asked to define free progress, she said progress guided by the soul. It's actually literally swadharma. So now in the modern context, in every school, even in a mainstream school, there should be scope and a time given, wherein some children in whom the urge for progress has become conscious enough. See, the difference between seeking pleasure and seeking progress, children should know, and they want to progress. Really, they want to discover something more beautiful. They want to know what is beyond the book and the framework. So in them, there should be some kind of arrangement. I don't know how it will be possible. But I presume, let's say, a separate, not a section, maybe a section, maybe a, you know, a separate timing when these children can be put there and the educator, facilitator has to be somebody who is awakened. So they can go, refer to that, talk to that, uh, you know, person and grow um, inwardly in the psychic being. It cannot be done in a typical classroom that all 35 students, I am going to talk about the psychic being, about moral values. It cannot be imparted through this kind of a uh, didactic lectures and even dialogues. It cannot be done like that. It has to be the right atmosphere. In a classroom, we can at the most do stories which can touch the soul. Like stories of courage, of valor, of love, of truth. So they touch the psychic but indirectly. They are also good. So there should be a story time when we talk about a story and um, about these characters. Like, you know, fantastic Shiva's story. You know, how a mendicant is regarded as the ultimate God who can give anything and everything. The great renunciate and yet he is a grasth, the mightiest of mighty. Look at Krishna on the other hand, the ruler of the worlds. He sports in the car, chariot, he rules the kingdom and yet he is the greatest of the great. So this idea that you know what is true greatness what is you know true unfolding so through these stories stories of valor abhimanyu's story what a valor at a young age and we can do it in many modern stories so one has to pick out these stories which uh, i often see at one point i used to notice are this story is so uh, like you know today there was a little news item that plants listen to you so you know these little things where they discover the sense of oneness of creation that when you enter into your kitchen, the plants are listening to you. So these kind of stories should be shared with children. And slowly they will begin to understand that there is something more to life than my job, career and money. Yeah. So there is uh, something in continuation to this. Another question is that if a child's psychic being is at, its, at an early stage of evolutionary growth, which does get reflected many a time, what should be done to aid its growth? Of course, not a report card as a progress yeah, report. <laughs> Involve the parents to start with. You know, they are the ones who will create a problem. They will say, we didn't send the child for psychic discovery. Don't make him a psychic. That's what they will think. <laughs> engage the parents. Whatever you may do will be undone for sure. So engage the parents, that's number one. Second, as I have been saying that, you know, again, the story time and all these are means to develop. Basically, they must know that there is much more to this life than meets the eye, than the typical career choices. This sense of a wonderful discovery, which we are here to make, it, they must feel that enthusiasm. See, that is what is missing. When it is taught like a dull, dry subject, like, okay, today we will pray, so everybody sits, close your eyes. Now we are going to pray. Which prayer? So somebody starts mechanically and the children are half sleepy. Somebody is watching with the corner of the eyes. When this is going to finish, another child is playing a prank. It's not that. It should be the joyous enthusiasm. So who can do it? Somebody who is inside carrying that. Teach them about gratitude. Gratitude, enthusiasm, urge for progress are spontaneous uh, manifestation of the psychic. Teach them about courage, even through games and uh, camps. You see, many of these adventure camps. In fact, one of the moments when psyche comes out is when it confronts the enigma of death. That is one, one of the things beautiful about the Gita. So, you know, either during a... Um, when somebody dies or when they have visited, that time it can be... Because they are intensely moved. Children don't know what it means. It can completely shatter their world, you know, because death, okay, nothing is permanent. The first thing they think is, what if my parents die? Because they have not yet formed their identity. So what if my parents die? 
then they wonder, you know what, you can die, it can be very frightening. So, you know, discuss with them that no, everything doesn't die. There is something which remains and something which beautifully grows. So, all this idea that beyond the form, there is something which survives. So, every experience of life can be made a, uh, you know, ground, breeding ground to bring out the psychic. So, there should be a time when they just discuss experiences. Like it may start with, you know, what did you have for breakfast? So, what happened during that time? I was in a hurry, mom shouted. So, you know, how to handle all these things. So, but it will require really a very conscious parenting and of course in the classroom also a lot of time and consciousness has to go into it. Yes. So, again, one more related question. Yes. Um, it is believed that a soul chooses its earthly experiences such as parents, country, etc., then why do we find some children struggle and suffer as their swabhav and swadharma are not understood by their parents? Yes. How should such children be helped if as a teacher we have been able to understand him better but are not able to make his parents understand because that's a constant tussle between the teacher so, and the So this question has two aspects of it that you know the soul choosing its environment and you know what long back I had read a very nice phrase so when we speak about choosing the environment, we think everything which is uh, comfortable. Now when we use the word helps, we think you know everybody will understand. But very often, as somebody said very beautifully, that the uh, most beautiful crystals are shaped when they are uh, when they face the entire you know when the sea hits little pebble on the you know on all its surfaces at the end it leaves is beautiful so very often when there is opposition and misunderstanding paradoxically it can catalyze us to outgrow that little aspect of my parents my life my custom and actually become a great help but that's where the role of educators come in that you know sometimes it's a beautiful opportunity to outgrow the limitations. I have seen children whose parents are you know constantly opposing them have a much greater chance actually of discovering what they want to do eventually than those where parents are deciding and determining what to do and they are like hand-packed parents who are all the time interfering. So it can work both ways. So the task of the educator is to turn every experience seemingly good or seemingly bad into a means of this discovery and that requires a knack. So parents, well, if they are, they understand it, wonderful. But let's say they don't, doesn't matter. So we have to turn that into a means for self-discovery. So uh, everything actually, every experience, I mean, I face this uh, every time uh, during counseling. So people come, they are going through a difficult phase. So it is a means to discover something about ourselves whether it be relationships, issue with parents, husband, wife. So everything can become a catalyst for that. Yes. So with this insightful start in this new year and uh, the mantra of knowing the heart, my gratitude to Alok Bhai for giving us a direction. So I will not say thanks because last time you said no. So my yes. gratitude from the entire school family. Thank you, thank you. Namaskar. Namaskar.